Hey world, welcome back to the Shape of a Star podcast, where everyone has a story. We just need to shape it so that like we're the star or something along those lines. Sorry if it just like popped. I don't know. Sound like it popped it to me. Whatever. Any hoosers. So today we have on another artist. We have lots of artists on here, but this guy actually has one of the bigger credibilities and resumes. And what's exciting is that he is not a performing artist, at least that I know of. We might find it out. But he is more of the 2D, the fine arts, as they say. So everyone, please welcome Eric Messer. Hello, hey. hello. Hello, thank you. Thank you. Danny. No problem. Um, so we're just going to hop right in, everyone. So Eric over here has described himself as a charismatic guy. So everyone else who says it, I like to ask, what does charisma mean to you? Because it's different for everyone. Um, well, uh, really just like personability and, um, you know, being able to talk to people, being able to navigate conversations, uh, whether it be with somebody that you know or don't know, or in how to, uh, how to read the room, um, like that sort of thing. Just uh, being yourself, being confident, um, uh, that's that sort of thing. Yeah, awesome. Oh yeah, I totally skipped. Eric, tell the world a little about yourself. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, so himself better than me. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, I'm Eric Messer. I uh, am from Richmond, Virginia, um, and and I'm an art director for an advertising agency um, that's based up in in Washington D.C. But I'm currently just uh, working remote shout out the pandemic for that um and uh yeah and just uh enjoy working in the field um i also enjoy things outside of the field um such as like traveling snowboarding golf uh sports things like that um uh so yeah that's basically the gist and someone who is charismatic. Okay, so you just find what charisma is to you. So, and you kind of already answered what does being charismatic mean to you. So, how do you feel you fit the role of a charismatic guy? Yeah, um, well, one of the things about being an art director is, in, especially in the advertising field, is, um, you know, you're basically a salesman for ideas. Uh, or visuals, things like that. So you really have to be able to read people. You really have to be able to um, know how to talk and navigate a, a conversation to push them to either accept an idea or, um, or you know, like, uh, yeah, just um, being able to talk really, I guess, because, <laughs> You know, you're standing in a room with the uh, with the client, and uh, you're proud of the work. Um, you think that it's what's best for them, but a lot of clients uh, are pretty stubborn because they had something else in in their mind, I guess. And um, so, you really have to be able to sell yourself, sell your work, um, and just have that person ability. Okay, that was actually really well said. So, shout out to you. <laughs> Um, in Dungeons and Dragons, that's exactly how charisma would be defined. So, yay! <laughs> Unfamiliar with that, but but uh, 
but it's, yeah, works. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you also say that you're a go with the flow sort of guy who loves sports. So as someone who never hung out with jocks, um, is that an abnormal combination or is it like normal in your world? Like talk about that. Like with uh, going with the flow and and uh, and sports or like more being in like in an art field and being uh, being into sports. Uh, well, we can go with both. Both. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, well, I'll just say like even so. I I went to um, James Madison University, uh, JMU, and um, you know, being in and I. I uh, majored in graphic design. So, and I was actually in, it's the way the, uh, the, that school is structured is, um, is you're actually like in the fine arts school. So, you know, there was a lot of, uh, um, different like-minded people than me, like, uh, like, you know, you don't typically find a big group of artists who love to also watch sports and play sports and stuff like that. You know, it's kind of, that, you know, it's the artist stigma is kind of getting better uh, as, uh, through, throughout the future, but um, but at least that's how it how it was. Uh, you know, I'm kind of rambling here. Um, kind of lost my train of thought. <laughs> but um, yeah, well, uh, but let's see. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. There was a lot of different like minded people there, and so but you but yeah you you still find those uh those types of people who like the same types of things and are also talented artists yeah and okay so the reason why i asked that question is because um people that are usually into sports are very passionate focused and some people would say intense about like a lot of their interests like i'll be honest i haven't met a lot of shy people in the sport into sports wow okay and so I was like, wow, being go with the flow, that is so opposite of what at least TV and people like me who don't know gotcha. sports world thinks about. So I was like, oh, cool. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe not in like a sports sense, go with the flow, but like, um, cause I mean, I, I want my team to win or I want to be good, you know, <laughs> um, but more of just like, uh, going with the flow, like I'm just kind of, uh, you know, always willing to, to accept like uh, what, what somebody wants to do or, you know, like kind of a yes man. Like I don't really, uh, I kind of just, yeah, go with the flow with uh, pro both professionally and just in, in uh, normal life. <laughs> yeah, no, um, that sums it up perfectly. So, okay. You've already said this, but you have a history of sports, so and we're on the topic anyway. So I want to know what sports did you play? Yeah, so um, let's see. Like growing up as a kid, I started out with like soccer and football and swimming and stuff like that. Um, and then as I got a little bit older, um, well, I guess not really that much older, but about around third grade, I uh, I picked up lacrosse which that was like my number one sport, like going all throughout uh, middle school and high school. Um, and then I also played football in, in high school, but um, I was uh, more of a, a ride the pine kind of guy because um, I was, I was about a hundred pounds in like four eleven going into high school. So I wasn't exactly a, a big, uh, big bruiser on the football field, but 
but lacrosse with my like smaller size, it it's, you know, it's less of a, of a big deal. So I actually did pretty well there, but then um, everyone got faster, bigger going into college and, and my, uh, my hopes of being a professional athlete kind of went, went to the dust. <laughs> Are you still a short King? I, I will. Hey now. All right. So, so I'm, I'm five, I'm five, nine and three quarters. I am five ten on, uh, on all dating sites or anywhere that it asks you your height. Um, but yeah, so I, I finally hit my spurt when I was like in, you know, yeah, like junior, senior year of, of high school. That was earlier than me. Okay, so the <laughs> reason why I ask is I am currently 5'3". No, 5'5". Five, five. Oh, okay. I'm 5'5". Five, five. I love being short, so it's cool with me. But when I graduated Four high kings. school, I was 5'3 and 90 pounds, so... Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So, was, all right. You could definitely relate. <laughs> yes. But I don't know. Being short was and thin and graceful was very much to my advantage because I was the performing arts world. So I was like, mm, great. Okay. Hollywood's not going to pick me up, but I could outdo a lot of things that other people can. Uh, but, okay. So, which one sports wise do you think you were best at or are best at still? Because talent doesn't always fade. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I would say lacrosse definitely. Um, now, um, yeah, I mean, I'm good at, uh, or I'm decent at a couple drinking games. I'm decent at a couple games that you'll you'll play on the beach <laughs> or something like that. But um, not, yeah, that but the sports, uh, golf, I'm terrible. Um, snowboarding though, snowboarding, um, which I mean, we can get into that later, but. Um, uh, but snowboarding is definitely a big passion of mine and uh, something that I think I'm maybe slightly above average in. Huh. Okay. Do you think it might be because of a lower center of gravity? <laughs> there we go. Yep. <laughs> that could be it. That could be it. Maybe, uh, yeah. Uh, maybe the go and go with the flow mentality is mixed in there as well. Um, uh, but, but yeah, just something that I, I love to do in the winter. No, that makes sense, actually, to go with the flow, because you're writing on top of things. Anyways, we'll get it over down yonder <laughs> when we get to that. But, so, when people looking at you, so, and knowing, like, all the things you're into, I would have assumed people, I guess this is the episode where we really prove that, like, even therapists, like, have their, like, schemas, as they're called. They're called stereotypes in real life. I don't know why they came up with mm -hmm. the word schema. Um, but I would have assumed you were more like a business guy, when in actual actuality, you are an artiste. So, yes. how would you describe being a graphic designer for those who have no idea what it is? Which I'd be surprised, but go for it. Well, yeah. I, well, as a graphic designer, yeah. I mean, it's basically, well, uh, well now in today's world, I was going to say, you know, it used to be a 2D sort of thing. But now, I mean, it, with social media and things like that, there's a big digital aspect of it. Um, but really it's just creating, whether it be ads, whether it just be art in your own time that you want to sh share with the world, um, really just trying to make the world not dull and gray, um, would be, I guess, a good way to put it. Um, yeah, I mean, just, uh, there, I mean, there's a lot of different aspects to design that, that can be, um, 
you know, honed in on um, that separate it from just like a f fine art or something like that, or a different type of art. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, I mean, really just trying to make the world not dull and boring, really. <laughs> it's a lot cooler than that, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so what is a big misconception that people have about graphic design work that you would want people to be corrected on or that you would like to highlight that is a misconception? I guess it's a nicer way to say. Hmm. Um, I would say, uh, let's see, that's an interesting question. Um, um, that, that it's, I don't know, that it's so mainstream that like, you know, like if you see an ad or something like that, or if you see like a, a piece of artwork, like um, like somebody had to come up with that from scratch. Um, and I think like sometimes that gets downplayed with just because we're consuming so much of it, like every everything is designed. I mean, whether it's um, like the computer that we're on right now, you know, everybody loves Apple and like, they've created themselves a brand all the way from their advertising and logo all the way to the machines that we're actually using, you know, it's slick it's, and, and yeah, that's a, a different type of design. It's like product design and things like that. But, um, but I think, yeah, I think it's just understanding that like that, like somebody had to think of this and think of all the little things that people consuming it would appreciate about it making it marketable. Exactly, yep. <laughs> so rumor has it that you began your art career by doodling on the back of elementary school homework without approval is emphasized. So <laughs> this is true. This is Yeah. Um, so yeah, growing up, like I was always obsessed with just drawing everywhere, uh, whether it was like, yeah, in the in the classroom in elementary school, um, my teacher would give us an assignment and I would immediately just skip the assignment, turn the paper over and just start drawing. Um, when the teacher's talking, I'm constantly drawing, like they had to take away like my pens and pencils and stuff uh, when, when we weren't like expected to do a, uh, um, an assignment. So, um, so yeah, just have always been just, you know, wanted to work with my hands, draw. Um, and yeah, and that started from a very young age. What kind of things were you drawing? <laughs> I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> um, I was a bit, I was big into like letter forms and like graffiti and stuff like that. So that I think was kind of a bridge into the, the graphic design land when I like, you know, my mom finally got to me that was like, Hey, like you're really good at this. Um, you know, you should make it a career out of it. And you know, and, and typography is a, a massive part uh, with design. So, I mean, so I think that might've been a sort of a bridge there. Um, but yeah, I couldn't tell you probably just, yeah, <laughs> smiley faces and, and random shit. <laughs> Actually, you kind of answered the next question through that is how did you find your love of art? But before we tackle that as well, Everyone, um, topography is amazing, and I don't think people realize that you could download fonts off Google for free and yes, you can just you use can. it. Um, yep, yeah, reputable sites, um, everyone. Don't, 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 do not download a virus, but 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, there, yeah, there is uh, Creative Commons, uh, which uh, you know you can use other people's icons, typography, things like that. Like there's uh, an arbitration is is required usually, but um, but yeah, it's kind of that's another cool thing about the whole space is that like everybody is kind of you know pitching in their their different uh, aspects and giving you exactly what a designer needs all on the internet. Yeah. Um, and I figured that out because one day I was trying to figure out what font a video game used. Found it online. Downloaded yep. that pack. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, look at me, guys. I'm video gaming. But, like, not. Um, so, back to you. How did you find your love of art? Was it your mom's encouragement or other means like go for it yeah yeah i think um well i well yeah i would credit my mom a lot actually because uh she used to tell me that when i was you know and still in a stroller about like two years old she used to take me to the virginia museum of fine arts and um you know and i would be i have a sister who's two years older so and she would be you know crying and running all over the place and and i would just sit in the stroller i'd I'd be sucking on my thumb and literally just looking around at all the art um, and didn't make a peep. And so she, if you ask her, she would credit it to that. Um, and then, you know, yeah, like I said, like I was always into it in elementary school and growing up draw, drawing during school, after school. Um, and then, uh, and then in eighth grade, I took an art class in, um, and uh, this one, this teacher, Miss Snyder, she really got into me that like, hey, like you are like, like excelling in this, and like, like, like I am basically going to force you to like, um, like, take art classes in high school, um, and so I did, and everything, and then. Um, and then, you know, still some of the same uh, responses from my teachers uh, there in high school. And um, and yeah, and then as it came time to apply to colleges and things like that, uh, I was struggling with a major and and my mom was like, well, why don't you do be do graphic design? And I was like, hmm, all right, you know, might as well give it a shot. Like you can always change your major, right? Like, oh, but um and then, and then, as soon as I got to college, it was just awesome. The, all the professors were awesome, um, and just uh, yeah, just fell in love with it. Um, knew I was I was pretty skilled at it, um, uh, and, but yeah, uh, just kind of went with it. No, that's actually nice um, that you did not stress your way into art as many many people do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you kind of got to have it. Um, but also, but I still, you know, recommend everybody to, you know, doodle, get your, get your mind on paper, uh, get in that flow state. Um, you know, it's nice. It's, it's uh, a good relaxation tool. No, it is the best. I don't know if you knew this, but I actually did a lot of art like growing up as well. Um, okay. Yeah, I did a bunch of like ten years of private art lessons type of stuff. I thought I was going to be an animator. Realized okay. I don't replicate well, nor <laughs> am I that great at art in general. Like abstract fun, I could do that for days. Watercolors, 
great. Mm -hmm. Chalk pastels, sure, but I hated touching them because they're chalky feeling. So one day I was like, you know, I like to do it. Is it like my talent? Am I going to make it? Is that what it's about? No. Um, but still, I have other talents I could capitalize on. So I pivoted away. But I have a huge respect for art because I worked for many years to get mediocre. <laughs> so Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. But along that journey, I've seen many people flip out and get super stressed about making their AP art portfolios and whatnot to get to college. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was all, there was all that. Um, yeah, and especially getting to... Um, you know, you create a portfolio through all of your work in college. And then that's how, you know, that's basically your resume to, to get your first job. So, so yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was some stressful times for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really all that we could say. Yeah. It, it happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's no, sadly, there's no even better way. Cause like you could critique a lot of industries I feel, about oh there's probably a healthier way to do this like for performing art side wow it's kind of toxic to do some of these auditions but for art it's like well you just kind of need art to show so yeah yeah and and it does i will say it does um a lot of artists like it 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 takes a lot of confidence because um you know like you're creating this something and and you're maybe you're not even with the intention of like wanting to to show anybody and so it takes like yeah, it takes a lot of confidence and like to be able to, all right, my work is good. Let me, um, you know, it is good. Like I, I could get this job, like, and, and that was something that I struggled with when, when I was, uh, you know, just getting started in my career, even like when I was making something, um, like an ad or something like even to show to my boss, um, like, it's like, ah, like, is this the best I could do? But like, you kind of got to, and, and, you know, but it is good. And so it, yeah, you kind of got to have that, that confidence and put yourself out there. Yep. Vulnerability. It's how creativity yep. thrives. Speaking of vulnerability and your creativity, is your love of art an influence on your tattoos? Um, a little bit. Yeah, I do. I do have a couple of tattoos. Um, yeah, I actually... Well, I designed one of them, um, but I've actually designed more tattoos for my friends than I have for myself, which is always something, it's always kind of funny. Like, uh, yeah, um, one of my friends that I'm living with right now, he has a tattoo that I did up his foot. Um, and so just every time I see it, I just like, um, yeah, it's just funny. Like, wow, I actually made that for you. <laughs> Where did he put a tattoo of his foot? No, no, on his foot, on his oh, foot. Okay. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't draw a replica of his foot that he has like on his arm or anything. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, people are in the feet nowadays. We never know. Yes. But, um, <laughs> so for your tattoos specifically, what was the process of you choosing them and what's the meaning behind them? Cause they're very personal. Yeah, um, yeah, no, 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 all good. Um, so yeah, I have something on my biceps and it says in Norwegian, uh, nothing ventured, nothing gained, which is kind of like a saying that, you know, kind of like what I was talking about earlier is like, be a yes man. Like, like you're never going to get anything out of life if you don't like go out there and try to get it. Or, you know, if you fail, but you still tried, you're not going to 
gain anything if you don't venture. Um, so, uh, and actually, and funny, and I got it in Norwegian. Um, but funny story, I actually did my because I thought I was like full blown Norwegian. Um, did uh, ancestry.com and I'm like 11% Norwegian. So, so I have like this Norwegian riding on me and I'm, I'm not full Norwegian, but, um, but yeah, whatever it was, it still works. <laughs> so what's the other 89% of you? I'm, I'm a mutt. I'm, I'm a mutt, but I would, I think like 65% of it was like this Northern Germany, Belgium, area so so yeah i mean and messer actually means knife in german so um so yeah i, I would say i'm mainly german Ooh, edgy knife um <laughs> so edgy uh but actually i was gonna ask you i was like is that nordic like messer but no you answered uh, but i don't know i feel like Okay, this is me not knowing geography world, so flame me in the comments, I guess. It's but, um, it's around there. It's around yeah. there. <laughs> and I was like, you never hear people are Belgium, so look at you. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm European. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So when you're an artist, everyone is always talking about like the influences and the like, periods of art and all like the art history stuff. So. Since you are an artist, who are your major art influences or what are? Yeah, I mean, well, there, I mean, well, now, nowadays, like Instagram is fucking awesome as far as uh, putting people putting their artwork out there. So I get a lot of inspiration from there, um, get a lot of inspiration from uh, my experiences. Like, um, you know, like I spent some time out in the mountains um, so that you know, that gave me inspiration to get more into like, uh, like scenes and things like that and landscapes. Um, but, um, but yeah, not, not really one single influence, I would say like experiences and then just soaking it all in through, through like digital means. Um, and, and I mean, the, in the same, same way as, uh, what I do now with advertising, um, you know, actually watching commercials when it's a commercial break um, or like noticing um, billboards more and like, you know, uh, most people, they fucking hate ads. And I know, and I know everybody fucking hates, hates ads, but like, um, yeah. So finding inspiration from other people's ads, but paying attention to them uh, to try to gather any sort of inspiration or critique or, you know, I would have done it this way type thing. Um, anything that, that can really like get my mind going of, uh, what I would have done if, if, uh, the, a client came to me with this problem or like, what are they trying to get across? What's, what's their strategy? Um, that type of thing. All right. So I actually love ads and commercials in general, which is weird. <laughs> you are one of maybe, uh, 10 people in, in the whole United States, but. But yeah, um, no, I just think they're so creative. I love how analyzing, like, what am I supposed to want from this? That's always fun. Cause mm -hmm. I don't know. I love remembering commercials. So since you study them for professional reasons, I must ask, what are your like standout ads over time? Oh man. Um, well, I mean, well, of course, 
you got to look at Geico. Um, and that is actually, that was actually based in Richmond, um, where I grew up. So the Martin agency, yeah, Martin agency. Yeah. in Richmond, um, or at least they have one office there. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got to look at them. They j- just, because you don't, I mean, you don't know it's for car insurance, like, especially some of their later stuff. Like it's just, they've had so many funny ads throughout the years. Um, yeah, so I would I would probably I would probably point point to them. No, that's fair. Um, standout ones for me for people who care, Gardasil, that like vaccine against meningococcal meningitis. I yeah. love that one less jingle. Um, <laughs> when they approved it for guys, actually, I was at the very top of the age group where it was like covered for insurance, and my mom was like, "Oh, by the way, you should go get this to save your life." I was like, "Screw saving a life! I want to sing the jingle." yeah and that's another thing yeah like i mean that's that's a sign of a successful ad you know like um like jg wetworth 877.com like coming up with little ways that make things memorable with people um that they associate with your brand like that's the goal right there you know that's that that is advertising um so yeah so that Gardasil, yes, extremely successful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, God, there was another one I was thinking of, but oh, stupid Orbit Mint Dirty Mouth. Oh, yeah. Clean it up with Orbit. Yeah. like <laughs> yeah. I just saw another meme yesterday about lint liquors. I was like, my God. <laughs> culturally ingrained in us that we hate lint, lint liquors. Yeah. Um, there, there was an ad uh, a long, this was probably like, middle school but it was um for starburst uh berries and cream berries and cream berries and cream i'm a little lad who loves berries and cream and it was just like this little leprechaun and like singing this stupid song and like (laughs) i don't know uh i mean that stuck with me i had some starburst with berries and cream and like you know so yeah on the other end as the designer as the art director like it's how do you find those ways to like get people what as, as stupid as it may be you know cars and bikinis yeah well that too yeah <laughs> that, that could definitely that definitely has a market <laughs> all right so i must ask you this also if you had to choose paper or digital art mm, um i would say digital i'm i'm definitely more of a digital guy um but everything starts out on paper um, you know, it always starts with the sketch. Um, it always starts with j- jotting down notes, word association. Um, you know, yeah, always starts out with paper. Um, and now I've actually, I have an iPad. So like what would be paper is now digital. So, <laughs> um, and, and just with digital, uh, it can just reach so many more people. Um, you know, like you can, yeah yeah like i mean if you're if you're selling a a one work of art um you know if that goes in one person's house people who come in they see it but if you're going more digital with it you can make a ton of those um and they you know they could go viral online a ton of people more people could see it i mean that, that being said you could just take a picture of your your 2d art and and put it online but (laughs) um but yeah and also uh 
this actually just popped in my head. One great thing about digital art is command Z, which for people who don't know that is the undo button. So it, when you're like making all this stuff, I mean, I'm hitting command Z, trying thing, trying different things out. Um, you know, I, I'm hitting a hundred times a day. And if that was, you know, if I'm doing something on paper and I mess up, and if I'm super far along with it, it's towards the end of, of my completed thing and I mess up, then it's, yeah. So it, you can be more technical and more like specific with, with digital art, but that that's also why fine art is, is so intriguing is because, you know, it's, you roll with the punches, uh, roll with the mess ups. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, you kind of answered a question for me because when you said iPad, I was like, oh, I should have asked you this. But then you were like, command Z. I was like, oh, there's the answer, everyone. Yep. Apple all the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Having an iPad. I mean, really, anybody in the creative field is, yeah, it's, it's Mac and Apple products all the way. Which kills me on the inside because I am not jumped over to apple and all that and uh are you no. still you still a, a green a green bubble kind of guy with the I, joy phone? I am on everyone else's screen i should say <laughs> <laughs> no so for those who've listened before go listen to episode four tyler was on tyler's my ex and all my exes since him have been computer science guys and because they know how to fix all my computers they were like no you need to have like an android so we could like sync all your stuff easier yeah so yeah i know okay. all these weird commands and like control things and everyone thinks i'm like some tech wizard. i'm like no guys um i just <laughs> yeah so it's who you hang around with yeah yeah but i feel like if i could betray my synchronicity i definitely would jump to apple because yeah. I, your photos are amazing <laughs> yeah it's just uh i mean with their like you know, all their products sync together. Um, yeah. And, and just like the design process, like their, their Macs are just, you know, more suited for that. Speaking of design, you say you specialize in design. So design's a very broad term. So what does that mean for those who are just like bouncing off, trying to figure out what part of design you're saying? Yeah. Well, so right now, I'm uh, like I said, I'm in advertising. So, I mean, that can, you know, range from anywhere from a print ad to a full blown commercial. Um, and, you know, and then in graphic design, you know, is more and more in like the graphic land, like, uh, you know, social media, uh, more like digital type stuff. Um, but then, you know, then you get into more art direction. And that's like, you know, th thinking of the more big picture stuff and and how it can all cohesively go together. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, kind of, yeah. I mean, design is, it's just, a, yeah, it's a very broad, uh, broad term, uh, I guess, um, which has a lot of, a lot of different things involved with it. Which makes sense. Um, advertising is also a lot more than just the artistic side. So I was wondering, how did you specifically come to learn all the marketing and strategic pieces that you have to understand in order to do what you do? Yeah, I mean, it really just, 
being in the field, I've, I've been in, in the field for, um, see about six years now. So, uh, you know, as a, as a, a graphic design major coming out of college, you know, you kind of have to have the realization of like, all right, how am I going to make money? How can I make the most money? Um, which, you know, some people will say you're selling your soul, but advertising is like a huge field that, that designers can go into. Um, and so, yeah, no, it did take me a little bit to understand like the strategy behind things, what all goes into it. Um, but I mean, I would just say, yeah, through, through like just repetition and being in the field for a while, um, you kind of pick up the lingo, pick up, uh, these different skills that, that are more catered to, to advertising. Oh, I had a question based off something you said. It was actually good. Um, you set it up perfectly, but I cannot remember. But uh, no, that was a good answer, though. So good that I literally forgot the part I was going to explain to. Well, yeah, we'll run it back. Yeah, tack it on in. <laughs> All right. But so another. Oh, wait, that was it. Okay. So because you work on like campaigns and all this stuff. Have you worked on things that we as the public would recognize? Are you even allowed to say if you have to send NDEs and stuff, you don't have to? No, no. I mean, well, I'm allowed to, t- I'm allowed to talk about the things that are out, already out. Um, well, so a lot of, a lot of the, since this is a, a company based in DC, a lot of our ads are um, like associations and people are really our target audience is a lot of like Congress members and, people affiliated with the decision-making of bills and things like that. Um, so I, I have had a couple of commercials that I've seen in the wild. Um, one, I was just sitting in an airport and I looked up and on the screen was like something I made, which um, for other artistic people listening, like that's like, that's why you do it. It's like, uh, that felt so cool, you know? Um, but I would say, yeah, I mean, unless you're watching CNN or Fox News or more of those political uh, stations, um, you, you probably might might not have seen it. <laughs> so you approve those messages, basically. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, some of, you know, some of the clients that, that I get matched up, it might not always, you know, jive with uh, – my worldviews or political views or things like that. But, um, um, but yeah, you know, got it, got to still sell it. I was about to say, is there like an ethics code that you can't like undermine someone subtly? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like put like a, put like a watermark in the corner, like fuck you or something like, or like hide shit in the, in the ad. Um, <laughs> um, no, nah, I mean, it, yeah, there's, there, there have been times, um, and I actually haven't personally done this, but there have been times where a client has come to us and people, people, my coworkers have been like, yeah, like this is just something I just don't support. Like, I just can't do it. And like, I mean, and that's, you know, 100% in your right to say, and, um, and the leadership and my boss and everybody, you know, they're totally like, Hey, if you're not, if you're not, uh, cool with this or preaching this message, then you know, let us know. But me personally, like I, you know, it might not be something I like I'm super into. Um, but, um, yeah, I just still just do the best I can to, to make a successful ad. 
Boom. Professional, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Try to be. (laughs) So we're actually going to pivot to a less professional-ish type topic. I mean, some people may see it as professional because lots of good things could happen of it, but uh, media and life and stereotypes say otherwise. So another aspect that helps me to have assumed you were more of a stereotypical hyper-corporate career path person is that you are a brother of Pi Kappa Alpha. AKA Pike for those who know. <laughs> yep, yep. Yep. So, um good. Oh, I was supposed to say, I think you're the first person on this show to have been part of a social fraternity that I've had on. So <laughs> gotcha. happy to be the first. Yeah, I literally brought people on like with all these fraternity questions, and all of a sudden they're like, Oh, it's like a service one. I'm like, oh, okay, well, still cool, but like I don't know. So you literally are the first, and this is like episode six. I don't know, 80 something I've recorded people, almost 90. So like we've been through a lot of people and a lot of people chirped me out. But so Eric, how would you describe Greek life to us normies? I forget what the term is for us not in Greek life, but go for yeah, it. Yeah, uh, um, GDIs is, is, I mean, I'm pretty far removed from this. Uh, yeah, I mean, so I, I rushed uh, when I was um, a sophomore year of college um, and uh yeah, really just uh, wanted to, you know, get another aspect out of college. And like, you know, of course, I saw all the all the fun and stuff and the parties and um, and all that. So that was definitely, you know, something that appealed to me. I wanted to like have a fun, like wild college experience, um, uh, you know, and there was a, yeah, there's a, a lot to it. You know, there there there's more to it than just the social, like fun party side of it, too, like. I'm still best friends with a, a ton of the guys that I met in the fraternity. I'm living with two of them now. Um, yeah. And like, so I really have built like these lifelong friendships from it too. Um, not to get like corny or anything, <laughs> but, but no, yeah, we, I love mean, it. we it, yeah, I was paying for friends or whatever, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, uh, it really has built some really great friendships and, um, and in professionally too i mean since there is less artistic people in the fraternity um i didn't reap as much of the professional benefits of it but i mean a lot of my friends got their first jobs just because some guy that knew some guy was a fraternity brother um on it at a completely different school but um you know put in the good word and everything like that so so there's a there's a social aspect, there's the brotherhood aspect, and then there's also like a professional aspect of it. Okay, so I've actually heard of this happening, so I want to know if you know anyone that's happened to, or maybe even you, like people reading over resumes, boom, like fell. Oh apart. yeah, 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 exactly, yeah, and like of course that that they're gonna put that to the the top of the stack, um, just because you have that connection. Right. You actually answered a bunch of the questions already. So I got to scroll through to where we are now. Um, <laughs> oh, something I've always wondered because Rush, I don't know if has anyone seen that HBO documentary about Alabama Rush, whatever. Fascinating process. No idea. That's sororities, not fraternities. But I don't know. I watched Greek when it was on and I was like, wow, it really is like a decision making process. And I guess this is my psych side coming through. But during Rush, what made you choose Pike over another house? Like, yeah yeah um well number one i mean the main thing was i had met some friends in the in my freshman dorm and they had already 
they had already been in it um, uh, from like first semester of freshman year. So that was like a big thing that like I knew I wanted to go to that one. Um, they were also like one of the more like popular ones, I guess, uh, on campus too. So it was like, you know, it was a cool one. Um, yeah, I mean, just uh, same like-minded people. Um, so I just felt like a fit there. Sorry, I had to figure out how to unmute for a sec. But, um, okay, so do you remember the four core values? I do. Slag, uh, scholarship, leadership, athletics, and gentlemen. Those are the oh core God. core values, baby. <laughs> um, I, as much as I do respect that it meant something to you, holy cow. Sorry, listeners, if, if you were just hate crime. <laughs> Yeah, there might be some cringiness here, but uh, but yeah, those are the, those are the values we live by. <laughs> no, but um, do you know what a slag stands for outside of that? Oh, slag! Oh no, I don't. Okay, um, <laughs> that was just an acronym. <laughs> skip five seconds, everyone, if you don't want to hear it. <laughs> a slutty fag. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, that. <laughs> That was not meaning that. <laughs> Don't want to offend nobody or nothing. <laughs> nope, you explained yourself immediately. But even me, I haven't heard that term since like we were in high school. And all of a sudden I was like, <gasps> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because no. I knew them too, but I, it was just funny. Um, yeah, but just an acronym. <laughs> <laughs> it's been 10 years, everyone. The term's been out of date. We're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, because of your four core values, how does one cultivate the scholarship part? Well, yeah, just that's really just, you know, being, you know, on count of your on top of your studies, uh, having integrity, um, you know, just pushing yourself to do the best, like with your actual schoolwork um, was a big thing, you know. Okay, so that's what it means, like the academic yeah, like, side. Exactly. Yeah. Because okay. I was like, wait, are they just like creating scholarships? Are they seeking out <laughs> scholarship money? Like, gotcha. Yeah. No, more of just, yeah, being scholarly, I guess. <laughs> oh, well, see, noble, everyone. Okay. In which ways do you feel like you discovered your leadership skills being a part of Pike? Um, well, I think, well, so there, you know, through like the process and everything, there's, uh, you know, a lot of time where you have to speak up in front of the room. Um, there's a lot of like scenarios where, you know, somebody, cause basically like it, once you're like in your pledge class, you're like a group, you know, like you, you got, you guys have to do everything together. They're basically like the machine that runs the fraternity. Um, and so like, you know, there's, there has to be leadership opportunities within that group and like kind of asserting yourself um, into knowing what to do right, like having good advice. Um, yeah, I think, I think that, that sort of thing. Nope. All makes sense. Uh, so <laughs> this is we're getting back into stereotypes, people, but it's okay. We have a uh, first primary source to negate all stereotypes that we're having right now. Okay, so Pike was known in my undergrad experience as the muscle frat. Rumor had it that they had mandatory gym hours instead of study hours. 
Would you like to comment on that as someone from a different chapter? Well, if you saw me down the street, you would not say that I'm, I'm buff by any means. <laughs> um, uh, we did not have mandatory gym hours. We did not. Uh, we actually did have mandatory uh, study hours. So I would actually say those stereotypes are wrong. <laughs> See, people stereotype to hurtful, even though I will say, like, every single one of the pike guys at my school they were all like ripped and i was so confused well damn i yeah i wish i fit that stereotype <laughs> it's okay it's been a while since we've been in college like things change yeah i could, I could be i could be a little bit more fit couldn't we all it's been a pandemic we survived it's fine um <laughs> so last part of the four core values how does one learn to become a gentleman well, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, chivalry is not dead. Um, you know, you have to, you know, if you want a good girl, you have to treat a good girl right. You have to, you know, know what what your roles are, um, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, just knowing how to treat a woman properly, uh, open the car door for her, uh, pay for the meal um yeah like that sort of thing okay yeah so i didn't know if it was like the gentlemanly like how to interact with other guys as well because every time i hear gentlemen i always think like bridgerton life and all the fangirls are like oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah so you kind of also back yeah that. yeah no i mean i think I, I think that is an aspect of it too is just like how to carry yourself as a as a gentleman um you know nobody wants to be friends or uh employee or like coworkers with an asshole um you know yeah it's about how to carry yourself as a gentleman if you're going into a job interview you wear a tie or you wear a nice a nice uh attire um you know uh like yeah that that sort of thing yeah just like how to carry yourself that makes sense something somewhat related but i did not write this down everyone so we're getting this answer raw Eric, did you know how to tie a tie before you joined Pike? Hell no, hell no. So it did. T it did teach me that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So there you go, right there. That's that's actually a better answer to the question. Uh, the gentleman aspect uh, taught me how to tie a tie. I mean, all the other stuff is great. I just was wondering because it's really hit or miss. Like, if people know how to tie a tie these days. But, okay, so last up about Pike, what was, like, the philanthropy that you guys did? Because I love the philanthropy the philanthropy side of Greek life. So much good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, um, we had a big, uh, like, uh, we had a big, uh, it was called, um, sorry, this was, yeah, this was uh, from a while ago. So, well, we did uh, one thing for uh, the American Cancer Society. Um, like we did a whole like Relay for Life thing that we did every year. And then we also had a, uh, it's called Pike Fire Week or something like that, um, where we like raised all this money for the local Harrisonburg Fire Department. And that, and you know, we had all these games and, and stuff like that. And it ran throughout the whole week. And that was like our big like philanthropy uh like week every year um uh so yeah which was i mean it was, yeah it was rewarding in that aspect too of like um you know like aside from the things that it meant to me personally and like 
you know, the fun that we were having and everything like that, we really did like make a difference um, specifically to the, the Harrisonburg Fire Department. That's actually really cool, though. I haven't heard of people in social frats and social Greek organizations. I don't know if frats like the proper term anymore. I've had mixed feelings. <laughs> um, but like philanthropy usually isn't so tangible and like so local. A lot of the people I knew that like, donated mm-hmm. this huge things to St. Jude sent a big check. They got a big thank you. But like, so they never saw like the tangible. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if it's more personalized or like within your community, like, yeah, you can see the effects of it. Uh, you get the, all the thank yous and everything like that. Um, so yeah, pretty rewarding. Boom. Okay. So even though Pike stands for Pi, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Why am I blanking? Pi Kappa, Kappa Alpha. Alpha. <laughs> <laughs> but coincidentally, you're also a member of Kappa Pi Arts Honor Fraternity. So another KPI like acronym. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also didn't know the Greek letters before I joined any of this either. So that was that was an awakening. Um, know, fair. But yeah, yeah. I was also in the um, in the art honors fraternity, um, and so that one, you know, was like really more specifically for professional reasons and wanting to network, um, wanting to meet people who you know, we're either older than younger than me, but are all like still going into this field. Once we leave college, you know, we can bounce things off each other advice. Um, um, and that, yeah, that was really cool. I mean, and don't get me wrong. We, uh, yeah, more for like professional reasons, you know, networking, being able to bounce things off of each other, uh, that sort of thing. Um, and, and we had a lot of fun too. Yeah. Um, which is the time to do it. Okay, but how often would you confuse yourself or others by being a part of KPAs? <laughs> Wait, <laughs> say that again? Because both of your professional and social Greek life were basically the same acronym. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it mi- I, yeah, I mean, sometimes I guess I even get it mixed up. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so how many people in uh, Kappa Pi are how would you guys say it? do you just like kappa pi it's, it's just kappa, kappa pi i mean i guess the the full name is kappa pi either art honors fraternity i think or it might just be kappa pi art fraternity um honor art honors fraternity uh, yeah i think the honors is Google. in there though and, and that sounds more prestigious too <laughs> yeah so how many people in kappa pi were also in social greek life um there were there, yeah so since it was a co-ed um uh fraternity um uh there was there was a, a, a decent amount of girls i would say yeah i mean there there was there was some overlap too i wasn't the only one i was the only guy i believe um but and it was kind of a smaller a smaller fraternity too i mean um but yeah there, there was still some overlap all right and did they complete any philanthropy yeah the, um well uh, yeah, we had we uh, we actually did the relay for life with them as well, um, and then we also uh, would get space in um, in the uh, there was a studio that was downtown, um, and we would get space in there, and we would have events there and stuff, and welcoming like you know new artists in the area, things like that. Like um, so, I mean, less like philanthropy, um, I guess, but like 
we did some like community outreach type stuff within like the art art world you know that's very fair i feel like that's very normal with uh service organizations or professional orgs like they do like community local tangible stuff yeah it, yeah it was, it was really cool um and i mean it was also you know it was good for us too because uh like the members of the the capital uh, capital fraternity because um we got to like showcase our stuff too as well and like um yeah just being in that group it was really nice to you know talk about more professional things and like where we want to go with our careers and and that sort of thing yeah actually so along with another a and i thing you were also part of aiga so what's that yeah so yeah so that that's less prestigious uh i'll be honest you you really just have to kind of sign up for it but it's um god what does it even stand for it's it's essentially a, a um a design uh or really just art uh group that um you know if if you have that on your resume that you're part of it then uh you know it's kind of like a networking thing um but yeah there wasn't really much behind that to be completely honest <laughs> founded in 1914 the american institute of graphic arts graphic arts yes okay okay based out of new york which unsurprising but google told me that everyone i didn't know it um, yeah i mean yeah you can tell how much it, it meant to me <laughs> well, I was wondering because it was impressive because you put on your resume that you said you haven't updated in a while that you were yeah. both involved actively in JMU and Richmond's chapters. And I was like, wow, yeah, that's a yeah, yeah, yeah. Essentially just, I, yeah, a couple of, uh, I don't want to downplay it, but yeah, it was really just like networking events and, and things like that. Um, forums. Yeah. Um, all the fun stuff. Okay. So since you're a duke there's so there's a few questions i actually have to ask so first up is how often did you interact with flock with uh with who flock f-l-o-c i gotta say i'm unfamiliar <laughs> perfect that answers the question <laughs> okay <laughs> Ooh, okay yeah but okay so how many people did you know in mrds uh, the the marching marching royal dukes. Um, yeah. I I knew a couple guys from uh, freshman year, and then I was actually decent friends with uh, a guy who was in the on the drum line. So I'm not sure if that was technically in the, the um, marching royal dukes, but um, I was about but to yeah, say, which was, guy? Yeah. Um, fuck, now. I mean, Ivan. He was he was friends with me in college. I haven't I haven't uh, talked to him in a minute. Um, oh, Winston, Winston. Um, I do not know his last name, but Winston. Um, he was really cool. Again, I grew up with him in the dorm, and then uh, and then now yeah, we hung out in a couple of later years of college as well. All right. Well, back on the JMU life, I was like, wait, hold up. You were at college, like similar time as me. I might actually know who you're talking about. I do not know Winston, so we're safe. Okay. D Hall or E Hall? Oh, God. Uh, well, so the way JMU campus is set up, all of the art related 
fields and communications and things like that are all on um, on the quad or near the quad. Um, and so that's where D hall was. So for, you know, so I would frequent D hall more, but E hall was on the, our like science in um, more like technical side of campus. And it was, it, it was much newer. So it was 10 times nicer. Um, food I think was better. And so, yeah, something about like the, the e-hall brunches after uh after a night out that was um yeah i, I would have to go to e-hall okay you know that i have not actually found people that believe e-hall is better oh, wow okay 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 well that's good they're sticking to, true to their roots i am full e-hall but i didn't go to oh, yeah. so i don't have okay. the e-hall like everyone does but i have loved e-hall every time i visited and yeah, so thank you for <laughs> yeah. agreeing. I would say D Hall was like my home, but E Hall was like my expensive vacation home that I would love to go to. <laughs> that makes sense. If you, if you, yeah. I never paid <laughs> to go to E Hall, so I have no clue. Yeah, but you don't, yeah, you don't pay shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there on work usually. So, anyways. But um, also, how telling. I had no idea what buildings were around it. So, yeah, the art is near the, quote, cheaper place and all the... Yeah, yeah, stuff. right, yeah. Like, yeah, and, and, and the East Campus, that was, like, built... Yeah, that was built, um, you know, it was newer. Um, but now, actually, JMU has... Their Performing Arts Center was, like, super new when I, when I went there, if you've ever heard of the Forbes Center. Um, yep. It's yeah, no, it was super nice. I mean, I would go in there just to like, uh, like get work done and things like that. Cause it was just such a cool space with the architecture and everything. Um, so yeah, they, they, yeah. So they, they still, yeah, it's, it's not run down over there. Um, and they're, they're building it up now. They, they, uh, uh, had a new, a new arts building as well. Um, called Duke Hall that was, uh, constructed when I was there too. Yeah, there was a lot of construction that happened while we were in the era of college. Um, yeah, I wish I remember the name of the building, but I don't. But it's not what you were describing. So either ways, onward. Um, did you ever feel like the frat bros in the beginning of Legally Blonde? <laughs> I'll be honest, I have not seen Legally Blonde. Or I have, but I it was a long time ago. My sister forced me. Um so yeah, I would say no. Or okay, do you know why it's a relevant question? I don't. <laughs> okay, so for those who don't know, the writer of the movie Legally Blonde was a sister at JMU and based the beginning of the movie off to Greek Row at JMU. Oh no way! <laughs> All right, well yeah, I'll have to go. I'll have to take a look. Um, there might be some similarities. Uh, it's like the first 10 but, minutes you can stop watching after that. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll watch it after this. <laughs> no. But I like to ask everyone because a lot of people don't know it, um, except for the, everyone in the sororities know it, but everyone else does not. So I knew a lot of people that went to JMU, so we probably have overlap somewhere. Okay. Would you attend the next JMU versus Tech game? Oh, 100%. Yes. Of course, 
yeah, I mean, love football, love watching football, um, love going to football games. And uh, and Jamie is actually pretty damn good now, and Tech is kind of in a uh, in a lull, so we might even get a win. I was about to say, were you there on the original day that made it famous? I was not, no, no. But I do remember watching it because my sister was at Tech. Um, and, yeah, and so she was, of course, heartbroken. Uh, but... But yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Like I did not go to either of those schools, everyone, and I got flooded with messages from people <laughs> because all my friends are in MRD, so they were all at the game. And all they were like, We won. I was like, What'd you win? Like, you guys don't compete. I'm thinking marching band competitions. It was it was a big deal. I, I remember. Um Yeah, and I mean it was even talked about like when I went there some years later. So Oh yeah, I was about to say, were you there when it happened? Like attending? No, 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 I wasn't. See, that's how old I am, everyone. All right. <laughs> were you a fan of Frog Week? Oh yes, of course. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know what Frog Week is, it's Freshman Orientation uh, Week, um, and essentially, all the all the freshmen come in. Um, and and then late, in later years, all the like upperclassmen just come um, because it's the week before classes start. Um, while the freshmen are are you know getting all their classes and their whereabouts all down, um, you know it's really just like a week long party basically. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, it was fun. Thank you for defining what it was. I had no clue. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I asked my JMU friends because I was actually, you might be the first MRD I, or not MRD Duke I've had on. So, wow, okay, gotcha. Look yeah. at you. Yeah. A bunch of firsts. But last on the Duke questions is were you at JMU when they had the quote riots, unquote, and excitement about having the snow days? Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, <laughs> yeah, there was, um, I actually wasn't in the, because I think it happened in the East Campus Library. Um, I actually wasn't in there, but, you know, saw it all on social media and everything. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was, <laughs> there was a lot of times at JMU where I think it could be considered a riot. <laughs> yeah, I just remember see, getting sent the videos of the people pushing over tele, like light posts, and I was like, of all things, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was crazy. And you guys have the famous tank over there. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so people have fun in the mountains, everyone. And yeah, um, if you haven't been to JMU, it's a beautiful campus. Lots of walking. Um, <laughs> lots mm -hmm. of hills. So be aware if you are not as mobile as others. Yeah, like yeah. It might be a challenge, but yeah, no, it's pretty. If you're ever by there, check yeah. it out. Um, for those who do listen to the podcast, the general audience, I usually have Kendall Jenner's currently there from Dance Moms. She's on the Duquettes. So go to a game. Right. See Dance Moms, kid. And there we go. Yeah I, yeah, I really can't say a bad thing about JMU. It was awesome school. Um, really set me up for for my career and um, and just the people there, you know, every, it, people skills and everyone's personable there. Um, yeah. Yeah, beautiful campus. 
you just All set me up stuff. beautifully. Thank you. So the next section is we're going to name drop some of the awesome credibility bombs that Eric has that GMU set him up for. So Eric here has worked with notable clients such as the University of Baltimore, the Association for American Railroads, American Speech Language Hearing Association, John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. So, wow. <laughs> It's just, yeah, just to name a few. And a lot of those actually were, came from, I had an internship in Baltimore before I got my first job and they worked with a lot of higher education um, type stuff. So that's where like um, some of the the universities came in. Um, But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I actually need to update that a little bit. Um, um, But since then, yeah, I've I've worked with, uh, with, um, Nestle, I've worked with uh, American Cancer Society. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, really, just especially at my job, we get you know put on a, a ton of different projects. So I'm working with lots of uh, different types of clients. Um, uh, yeah, so it just gives you a lot, a lot of wide range of things. No. And okay. So I'm also wondering too, how often do you have to sign NDAs? <laughs> um, I, not, not as often as you think. I mean, it's kind of just like a known thing, uh, for, for all projects is that like, all right, don't like put anything out there, um, before it's like actually produced and like actually, uh, like in the wild. Um, but, but I have actually had to sign a couple official ones for some bigger campaigns. Um, I didn't think I can say who, so. <laughs> wow, see? Credible. <laughs> it does make, it does, uh, yeah, it does make you feel a little bit more like, ooh, like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm all official. Uh, um, yeah, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, uh, and speaking of credibility, you just set this up again, amazing transition. Let's hear your process. Like, for example, say I'm going to ask you to rebrand the show from scratch. Like, how do you even fathom going about it because it's such a broad way? Like, what is your process? Yeah, um, well, so yeah, so I do have a freelance side where I like do branding and things like this. Um, I mean, we also do that at my actual company too, but um, but yeah, like, so if, I'm, if you approach me, number one, uh, who's your target? Um, like it, it can be as broad as you want, but like, that's, that's really the most important thing. It's like, who are you trying to get at? Like, who are you trying to, um, intrigue everything like that? So number one, we figure out what your audience is, what kind of strategy you're, you know, what, what makes your company, uh, what, you know, why, how does it tick basically? Um, and then, I'll, and then, you know, I go to the, go to the sketchbook and start, um, you know, thinking of ways that how I could brand it. And I I usually will go back and forth with the client, um, you know, like send me, send me five logos that intrigue you or send me, you know, just like trying to see where their headspace at. Cause that's another big thing is just getting in the same headspace as your client and like, as much as you possibly can, because, you know, they, ha- they already have a vision in their head and your job is to create that vision, but 
make it better because <laughs> we are the professionals. So we, so we do know like, um, you know, what looks best and what would, you know, like, uh, intrigue the most people, um, engage the most people. So taking their vision, but using our credibility and, um, and experience to make it better. Wow. That was actually really well said. Um, <laughs> Thank you. You keep saying we, like, for your side solo work, like, is it actually solo? Or is there a team of you? Um, so this is, if we're talking about marketing and things like that, uh, this is a good skill to know. Um, no matter how small you're, even if it is just you, because it really is just me, um, you, uh, you, if you say we, it sounds bigger and it sounds like, oh, they got a whole operation going on here. So for those listening who are trying to market anything or themselves or whatever, um, say we. <laughs> no, that makes sense. I tell people use they, but we actually makes you sound like you're more invested. So boom, look at that. If there's anything you take so far from today, at least we. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, so yeah, getting in the same mindset as people. So if you have like difficult clients, you don't have to say who or what, um, uh, but like what are ways that you try and get inside their head and share their perspective? Yeah, it's it's tough because I mean like I would say more times than not, you're gonna deal with a difficult client. Um like occasionally you'll get that client where it's everything's clicking. Yep. They love all your stuff. Um, blah, blah, blah. It, it goes, but most clients are difficult. So it's kind of a give and take of understanding like where they're coming from, what they want. But again, just like using your expertise and even sometimes calling that out being like, Hey, like, like I, I know what's what will work best. Um, but it's, uh, I I use the term like, well, I would, I would do this, or it's even like what, when you're directing your coworkers or something um, like, like, ah, oh, like I would, I would do this. Like, I don't know, using your words to like, kind of not like, all right, no, like we're doing this. Like you never want to be confrontational like that. Um, so yeah, just, I mean, it's tough. It's and no one situation is the same. Um, but yeah, it's really just a give and take, like, and, and also be okay to lose some of your battles too. Like if it's just, and, and just be like, all right, whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll do it this way, you know, and, and understanding when it's okay to fight and when it's okay to just sit back and, um, and, you know, go with it. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. All the charismatic workings, um, <laughs> No, that just popped in my head because I was like, wait, this is psychology in action. Let's hear it. Yeah, um, yeah no, it really is. And I, like, I mean, I said this at the top, like we're as, as a designer or as a, a creative mind, like we're salesmen, but we're just selling visuals or we're selling ideas. Um, so, yeah, you really do have to put that salesman hat on and um, and fight for the ideas you believe in um, that you think will work and then, you know, to, to take it back a little bit when you need to, too. Boom. So as you're like trying to 
make this vision for whoever you're working with. How do you do research for each project? Because I feel like you can hear what they're saying, but then you have to like figure out like specifics in the field. Like, so what's research like? Yeah, well, I mean, so well, in the uh, in the with my actual job, we're given like you know a a brief, which um which are like account people and they they talk with the client first, you know, figure out what what even do you guys like want to do, um like, um, <laughs> so we're given a brief, um, and then it's which gives us like the basics of what they're trying to do. Here's the company, here's their problem. This is the type of solution that they want. Um, or what is the solution? What do we, you know, um, but anyway, and then, and then, yeah. And then you just go, go to Google, start, start Googling the company, start Googling their competitors, seeing like just getting yourself into that market space. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, sorry, kind of, kind of, what was the question? <laughs> More no, just like, how do you do research? Like, oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I mean, basically just, basically just googling, and I think getting into their the competitors is like a big aspect of it too. Um, seeing what they have done in the past, um, seeing what worked. Um, you know, and then, and then as far as like visual, uh, inspiration and things like that, you know, Pinterest is, is a big one. Behance, which is a more, uh, Adobe affiliated Pinterest basically. Um, and, and yeah, just Googling. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. And yeah, thank you. So, other than Eric being a professional creative here, which is something we should always support, hence all the strikes, um, you're also a fitness fanatic. So how'd you become so devoted to fitness? Yeah, yeah. So, well, less of, it's less now, less less fitness and more of just uh, like, um, get, like, I, I'd say like play 60. It's like a very rudimentary thing, but like, it's so beneficial, whether it's like going to the gym, going to play pickleball, even just like going on a walk, like simple things to just get your body moving. It's less about like for your, for your body and more for your mind, at least for me, um, getting like the juices flowing and, and getting your body moving has like really, uh, strong benefits for, for your mental health. Um, so it's just something that, and, and everybody's lazy and nobody, nobody like wants to like <laughs> go work out and stuff all that. Well, some people do, I guess, but whatever, not, not me. <laughs> um, so you, it, you kind of have to be, it, you know, it teaches you discipline. They're like, Hey, I got to go do this every day. You might not want to, but you know, that once you're done, um, you, you feel so much better mentally and, um, and, and physically too. But, um, but yeah, the, the the fitness background is really uh, more of a mental aspect than than a physical one for me. The mind body connection. So, yes. what is the most impressive physical feat you've been able to achieve? Like, impressive doesn't have to be like world breaking, but like impressive could be like in your. What are you proud of? Like what you've done? Well, um, let's see. I've re- I I ran a couple races. I, I don't, I don't really run as much now, but I, I've 
run a couple 10 Ks. I haven't done a half marathon or marathon yet, but that, that is a goal of mine uh, eventually. Um, but a more of a different uh, non-conventional way of working out is, is snowboarding. And I have done some pretty intense mountains um, uh, and like, and the black diamonds on those mountains. So I would say like just pushing the limits in that aspect and in the snowboarding realm is, is kind of a physical feat that I'm, I'm proud of. Wow. Awesome. Um, so this is something I love to ask everyone that has had a passion for fitness present past. How, what is the longest you've held a plank? <laughs> um, I can maybe, I can maybe get a minute and a half, two minutes, <laughs> but I mean, it's, uh, my abdominal strength is, uh, not the best. I actually haven't really tried that. Um, to see how long I can actually do it. Um, I'm really good at holding my breath. <laughs> I, I actually, <laughs> we had a little competition in the pool the other day, um, and I won. So, and I held it for a minute and 15 seconds. So I don't know if that's impressive to anybody, but, um, I was pretty impressed. <laughs> no, I'm impressed. Um, no, I'm also going to say too, I think it's actually easier to hold a plank when you hold your breath. So, okay. Okay. Have that on Maybe, your side. All right, I'll try, I'll try that strategy. <laughs> and I'll let you I don't know think how it's a healthy way, but I think it's easier. But also I will say that, okay. When I was doing planks, cause I actually have like a weird like body thing that I don't have good ab strength, apparently like physiologically, like they tested it. It was a weird thing. I don't get it. I don't know biology, but, um, I was actually able to hold like a two minute plank, like at the beginning. And I was like, what, how? So no, that's impressive. That's very impressive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so time's an illusion. Just time yourself and do it one day. If you even care, I'm not challenging you. I don't know. Like, I'm accepting the challenge. Okay. I'll let you know. My longest was four and a half minutes, but. Damn. Okay. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's impressive. Something to work for. Yeah, but Cher held a five-minute plank, so I'm like, well, <laughs> Cher being like a thousand years old, like, can do it. Well, Jeez, what yeah. do I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here's the next transition. This one's not as good, people, but just go with it. So Eric here takes after his surname, Messer, which in my head I kept thinking is like Messenger. I don't know why I kept thinking your last name was Messenger, which is like those of your there's some, there's some letters in there yeah there's there, there's some <laughs> some similarities there and you're an avid traveler Ooh, mm -hmm. i know i didn't know your last name meant knife eater but you dropped that earlier so i was like oh wait this doesn't work as well oh well we got there so rumor has it that you've been to close to 20 countries and then other sources have reported that you've been to over 15 countries yep, one yep, has to be yep. more true than the other which it's, is it's it's somewhere around there because i did i hit up um i was on a cruise when with my family uh in like high school or something and, and we hit a bunch of those caribbean islands like jamaica and dominican republic and all that so like um so yeah that that's where it could get a little like um yeah a little skewed i guess but but yeah i um but I've spent some time in Europe. I, I studied abroad in, in Barcelona. 
and um and so visited a bunch of european countries while i was there um i've been to uh aruba um but really really the only continents that i've been to are are well north america and then uh in europe while you were studying in barcelona did you feel like a cheater girl <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I, yeah, I think, I think to an extent, yes, yeah. <laughs> and I actually, I do know the reference that you're making there, so yeah. I was about um, to say, your sister and I are the same age. I would assume you would. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. My and my sister, she, uh, you know, uh, against my my will, uh, forced me to to <laughs> watch some of this stuff. So it's, it's okay. I feel like I forced my sister to watch it too. So payback. Um, so yeah, you've been to mostly places in Europe and America, but what places within America have you been or North America? I should say. Yeah. Um, so I actually just drove across the country this past winter, um, from Virginia to Salt Lake. Um, and you know passed through we did had a bunch of different stops um passed through multiple different states and everything um and then as far as like uh like states that i've actually stayed in i mean um have i've been been really around most of of america i mean i haven't visited all 50 states which is a goal of mine um but you know i've been to uh you know new york and and that whole uh, all the upper uh or the northeast um corridor i've you know been to florida and louisiana and like the whole southeast um and then some midwest um been to california so yeah i mean really like a a, a good amount of them but want to eventually like step foot in every single state and to say that um i think would be pretty cool no, it is. Um, do you have like a map you're keeping track on, or is it just all mental? <laughs> I it's it's all mental right now, but uh, but yeah, as soon as I do get get close to that fifty mark, then they all start start keeping track. All right. Um, what places were standouts for you, and why? Um, let's see. I well, Salt Lake is awesome. Utah is is awesome. Um. Arizona is awesome. Um, I was thinking that Arizona was just going to be, you know, like just flat desert, but it's actually like just gorgeous landscape with, you know, and they have all these cactuses and, and different types of flowers that I hadn't seen. And it's, it's actually like kind of mountainous. It is deserty, but like just the landscape was beautiful there. Um, super hot, <laughs> but um but yeah, so I mean, yeah, some of those Midwest states are really, really awesome. Um, and also I've been to Vermont too, and this was also for snowboarding. And um, and they, they, that was a really cool state too. It's, uh, it's like super clean and, and, um, and, and nice landscape there too. Um, but yeah, uh, really, I mean, each state gives you something different, both like culturally and visually. No, yeah, um, we live in a very biodiverse, terrain-diverse country. I don't know how to say it. Yeah, it. yeah, no, yeah, the U.S. has everything. 
really does. So how has experiences you've gained through travel help you grow creatively as a person? Well, yeah, I think, I think like going out and having these experiences, um, seeing different things that you haven't seen, it's always going to, you know, you might not be like, Oh yeah, that's, that's the idea that I was looking for. Like, Oh, bang. Like that's, that's it. No, like it doesn't really come across that way, but through these experiences and seeing these different things, it kind of like subconsciously will trigger something. If you, you know, six months later down the road, you're working on a job or working on a, with a client and, um, and maybe they have a like-minded experience in one of those places. Um, so you can have like a personal connection with somebody and it also just like seeing all that different stuff, just, uh, you know, changes your perspective on, on different things. Um, you never know when that will pop up, but, um, but it's always there. Yeah. Again, very well said. Um, where are some places you still want to go? Uh, well, I'd, I'd love to go to, um, uh, like Yellowstone area. Um, I mean, there's just, I've, I've been hiking in Colorado and I've been to Jackson hole in Montana, but I haven't done a whole like Northwest sort of trip, which I think would be really cool. Land of twilight, as I call it. Um, but okay. As someone without a travel bug, like I don't have it in me. There are very few places I want to see in the world. Um, where would you recommend I go? Um, well, if you want to, if you end up making it to Europe, I mean, Barcelona has a special place in my heart just because I lived there for a little while. But I mean, that city is just gorgeous and there's so many things to do. It's a lot of fun. You're right, right on the beach. Um, so yeah, I would say if you could make it down to, um, or make it over, I guess, to, to Barcelona, um, a close second uh, would be uh, Lake Como, Italy, which is um, basically a lake in Northern Italy that's um, within the Alps. And it, I mean, it's just like gorgeous. They like film like Star Wars there and stuff. George Clooney lives there. It's like, um, you know, mountains that go into the water um so yeah i think those would be my my two i'd recommend okay um so we're going back to sports people eric here's a lifelong washington football fan and it's been a big time for them this week oh by the way everyone it is august 2nd 2023 if we say something Mm -hmm. that ages is not well don't cancel (laughs) us but how do you feel about everything that's been happening for them lately well it's awesome and uh so for those who don't know we had a terrible dictator of an owner for the past 20 years and has just ran a great franchise into the ground and it just got bought uh last week by a new a new owner who has an awesome track record he's owned a couple of different professional sports teams um and yeah, the whole vibe and everything about the team has switched from nobody respecting them or really even liking them um, to now, like, you know, like we're somebody to, to you're proud to be a fan, I guess. Um, 
and you know we might we're not we're still not that good <laughs> but but i could see the i could see the like i could see the light you know because we were basically stuck with an owner who wanted who would like overplay terrible players or um really the whole fan experience was just like a money grab and like you know like super we had the most expensive beers in the stadiums we had the shittiest stadium um and so i think a lot of those things will change um and hopefully we'll get the the great fan base that that we had back how long has the fan base been like not as great um well so yeah dan schneider was the owner who was terrible he um i think he bought the team in 1999 so yeah it's been like 20 basically my whole life (laughs) um and yeah so it's it's been tough and and washington was one of the first franchises in the nfl so and they had a very like long uh respected like history uh I think we have the fourth most championships. Um, so, so yeah. Um, but at least the past, past 25 years have been terrible. <laughs> not the same Dan Schneider of Nickelodeon, right? This, this is not, no. <laughs> no, this is a, a mean uh, billionaire who, who ruined my, uh, my childhood favorite team. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that you've a new ownership and you and many others are cheering for life. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so you already mentioned that you're a snowboarder, but how'd you get into it? Oh, yeah, so snowboarding I picked up uh, sometime around like middle school. Um, and uh, really, I mean, it's it was hard to learn, but once I got the hang of it, like immediate, immediately fell in love with it. Um, just like, and then, you know, I've just gotten better and better. I, I used to go like, you know, like once a year. Um, and then up to where I am now, I, I spent four months in Utah. Like, and now it's just a massive part of my life. Um, there's just something like so calming and, and, uh, and, and just, and just fun about just being on the mountain. There's, you know, there's no sounds really. Um, it's quiet. It's, um, and you can really just get some some introspective, like, sort of aspect from it. And, yeah, it's just, and it's a good workout, too. Um, um, and, you know, and it adds the, their speed and there's, uh, there's a little bit of adrenaline in there. Um, so really just, you know, has all the aspects of something that I would love. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, I see myself doing it. It's, it's one of those sports where um, – you know, you see 80 year olds on the mountain, um, still snowboarding. And so like, it's definitely something I, I would want to continue for the rest of my life. That'll be you one day. <laughs> I hope, I hope. <laughs> I always think of like how Tom Daly, the diver was like, I could compete in 24 Olympics as if I continue till I'm 84. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. People gave him a lot of flack for it, but I was like, guys, if he wants to do it, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> let him do it. Let him do it. Yeah. I, I should say people gave him a lot of flack for it because he competed when he was like four, 16 and the oh, Beijing wow. Olympics. But I don't know. I got a lot of flack for it too because he's like like my age and I was like, oh my God, he's adorable. And everyone's like, he's a baby. I'm like, he's older than me. And then, like, <laughs> he does, he does have the baby face. 
Yeah. Next Olympics, he was suddenly of age, and the world is thirsted. And I was like, I said it four years ago. It wasn't creepy <laughs> to me either. Leave me alone. <laughs> but you're the first um, crush. He was not actually. Steve of Blues Clues was. Oh, okay. <laughs> But, okay, so you've already mentioned that you're terrible at golf, but I'm so curious about this. Has golf ever helped you in the business world like the boomers claim? It it has not. um, Not in the business world. Um, But, I mean, golf is just a a, a lot of fun with your friends. Um, Basically, I picture it as just like you're outside all day, you're listening to some music, you're maybe having a beer or two. Um, and then occasionally you have to swing a club. Um, it's more of just like a, a hangout thing for me. Um, and, uh, I mean, because they can just be so frustrating. So you can't, like, I mean, I'm not going to be in the PGA. So it's something that I just do for fun and not try to get too hard on myself because you can easily do that with golf. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, and that's just been something that I picked up over the past couple of years. Okay. And golf has such a strict fashion attire, I feel, especially some of the clubs you got to go to to play. So what's like your go-to like look? Yeah. Yeah. So I think I, well, number one, I think the stigma of that, like, you know, preppy boy country club uh, attire is kind of, I think the trends of golf are kind of changing a little bit to where it's more of like a more accepting sport. So, I mean, uh, so, I mean, I always wear shorts. So I don't, I don't wear the pants, which used to be like a, you know, a taboo thing. Um, and then, yeah. And then really just, a, a polo and, and a hat. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I honestly could up my, uh, my golf swag a little bit, but, um, but yeah, we keep it pretty, uh, pretty relaxed up there. Okay. So when you wear a hat, do you have like a go-to, do you have like a couple of them? Like. Oh, <laughs> no, just uh, just a golf like baseball cap. No, but I should I should get like a little. Uh, yeah, one of those. Um, I guess they used to wear them in like the 60s or something where it has like the or I guess now it's like a grandpa hat where it's buttoned to the, the top of the brim. Um, I should I could rock one of those. Um, but yeah, for now, just just regular baseball cap. Actually, yeah, you have a good head shape and facial hair for it. Um, so no. <laughs> it could work, maybe it could work. Yeah. Um, so you also love nature. So I'm wondering what's so appealing about the mountains to you? Yeah. Um, well, number one, I mean, just like the views you can get while hiking or, or snowboarding or anything like that, like, and just seeing how much is, uh, is out there. Um, is interesting to me um also just like being away from from all the hectic like city or whether whether you're in a city or in suburb suburbs or whatever um uh, just like getting away from it all and like realizing that there that there's just such a massive world and so much to explore um and and again goes with the like getting new perspective on things and new inspiration and things too. Um, you know, cause it's, it's all like something new that you're seeing. I mean, even if you do the same hiking trail 10 times, like you're going to see something new. Um, 
so yeah, it's just, yeah, it's good to get away, um, quiet the mind. Um, and yeah, and, and nature is really good for that. Did this grow while you were in the mountains, basically at JMU? Wow, that was a horrible way to say it. JMU's in the mountains, everyone. Did this grow while you were at JMU or before <laughs> it? Um, it, it? Well, no, I, before it, I've always like, well, so I grew up in a neighborhood with not like a lot of other kids. So I, and, and we had a big lot with a lot of woods. Um, so I would just go out in the woods from literally like the time I got home from school till it was dark out and just explore and just, and I loved it. And whether, I don't even know what I was doing out there <laughs> to be honest, but, um, yeah, just, uh, yeah, I've, I've always been a, a nature guy out in the woods kind of guy. Awesome. And, um, have you ever encountered like wild animals while in these mountains? Uh, so I've seen a couple moose in, in while snowboarding. Um, that which if nobody's ever seen a moose in real life, that is, is like jaw dropping how big those things are and how intimidating they are. Um, oh yeah. Like, I mean, you would think of them as like this docile, like creature, but yeah, they're kind of scary. <laughs> um, I've never encountered any like predators though, like no bears or, or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I think seeing the moose was um, was one of the cooler wildlife I'd seen. No, like I saw a documentary about a moose. No, I was watching a documentary about a bear once and they showed like a moose carcass that the bear ate. And I was like, that thing is huge. And then I went to Maine oh, and there was yeah. moose crossings everywhere. I was like, guys, if there's a moose, I'm ducking. <laughs> like, save me. Yeah, I'm not yeah, gonna live. Yeah, yeah and, and I've I've seen like videos on Facebook or whatever and, and up like when when they're threatened and they start charging you, like they are fast and I mean, yeah, they're they're intimidating. <laughs> sure. And their natural predator is the orca, apparently. How I don't I don't see how that works, but okay, so apparently, <laughs> where Canada meets Alaska is the only place it happens. But moose apparently can swim well, so they do swim. Oh from yeah, yeah, the island. And apparently, orcas just grab yeah. them while they're swimming. Just pick them up. Damn, that's it. Yeah, that'd be it. That could probably feed the whole orca family. Um, damn, that's interesting though. Did not know that. <laughs> I love telling people because it's like wow, but. So you're also a big fan of the beach and you're currently living uh, your summer at the beach. So why do you love it so much? Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Currently living in Wilmington. Um, I mean, it kind of, it kind of for similar reasons as uh, uh, why I love the mountains, um, you know, just sitting, what are we just sitting on the beach for, you know, five hours uh, listening to the waves, um, like feeling the sand, like it, it just uh, it gives you another like type of peace of mind, and um, I mean like in a similar way to the mountains of just like being up there. It's quiet. It's uh, um, yeah, like yeah. I think I think really just for the peace of mind factor, relaxation. Um, it's always fun to have a beer or two on the beach too. Um, so yeah, yeah. It's love the summer. So um, yeah. Is that your favorite beach thing to do? <laughs> what do we sit there sit there and and, and uh 
have a drink or two and maybe play like or maybe toss the football around yeah um uh sometimes maybe do a little body surfing um <laughs> but but yeah i haven't gotten the the water sports down yet i would uh i would like to try surfing at some point um but but yeah for now just sitting on the beach having a beverage or two <laughs> i wonder how different surfing is from snowboarding yeah, so so I mean, I I do have like some friends who know or know at least know how to surf. Um, you know, like when you're on a snowboard, you basically you know you ride the chairlift all the way up, you strap in, and there's your there's your wave basically, you know. And then with surfing, you're wait you know you're waiting there for for the right slope basically. Um, and, and but then once it's coming it's coming it's coming like you have to react quickly you have to start out from a, a swimming position basically to now being in a snowboard position um and it all happens like and then you can miss the wave and then you're sitting there for another 30 minutes waiting for the right one so i think it's like a patience factor <laughs> um that is a big difference. Um, I think actually when you're on the board, like it would feel very similar, but yeah, I think, yeah, surfing definitely it would require a lot more patience. I think. That's a very unique perspective. I don't know. That's interesting that you framed it that way and no, you're right. <laughs> at least theoretically. <laughs> so yeah, to wrap yeah, it has its, its differences and similarities, but yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> To round out this main question section, so Eric, you've been known, you're known to be big into live music. So when did you discover your love for live music? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, no, I love, uh, well, yeah, I love going to like concerts. I really just love like the atmosphere of like people having a ton of fun and, and, and then, so yeah, I love the concert aspect of it, but then I also love like, just you know uh a guitarist singing in a bar just by themselves it's just uh yeah it's just everything i think everything's better with live music you know whatever um whatever environment or scenario you're in um whether it, or if like you're at a campfire and somebody brings out a guitar it, you know the the mood and the vibes are instantly um just so much better so um, so yeah, I mean, it's, I'm not like a huge, uh, like music head, I guess, but, um, but yeah, just like the live aspect of it, of everyone being in such a better mood and having a lot more fun once there's live music going. Yeah. Um, do you have any favorite genres to listen to of live music? Well, so yeah, live music, definitely country would be number one, um, uh, I mean, I I went through an EDM phase, still like kind of in it a little bit, but um, but EDM concerts are definitely a ton of fun. Um, uh, yeah, and then and then like I, it's they're less fun to go to live, but but I do like rap music as well. Um, but like you know those concerts, they say like three words on the mic, um, and. Yeah. So yeah, those are uh, seeing rappers live is not not that much fun, but but yeah, DM are are always fun. You're not the first person to tell me that about rap concerts. 
Yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. It, it is cool to see, like, a rapper that you've been following, but, like, they're basically just playing their music on the loudspeakers and running around on stage. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you do listen to live music, do you prefer cover bands or originals? Um, that's tough. Honestly, I'm, I'm enjoying both. Um, I mean, obviously you get that different, like, like excite, excitement from seeing that an artist that you're actually like a huge fan of, but I mean, you know, even just hearing a cover band singing the classics that like you can sing along every word to like that, you know, that also has its, its, uh, its excitement about it too. Yeah. That's why I like to ask uh, that question because I don't know that's unique. Ooh. Okay. Um, so sorry, everyone. I don't know what that noise was and if it actually comes through on the mic and recording, but all good. So, would you rather be at a big blowout concert or a small intimate setting? Since you already said you like boltish. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's, it will number one depends on what type of mood I'm in. Like, if I just, you know, like there are times where I'm like, yeah, let's, let's, let's go, let's go to the concert, let's go, uh, let's like have a blast tonight. Um, but the into, but also the intimate, a more intimate setting is, um, I don't know. You can get in your feels more, I think. Um, and just like, yeah, it can, it can hit harder sometimes when it, when it's just like a couple people and, um, you feel more like of a sense of community and camaraderie in that aspect, less of like, Oh, I'm just part of it. Um, so yeah, uh, I think they have, yeah, they have their strengths depending on your mood. Alrighty. And so feel free. All answers are safe here, but pro marching band or anti-marching band? Oh, pro pro marching band for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, um, especially at like a football game or something like that. Like it gives you, it gives, yeah, it's, it's gives you a good halftime show. Um, uh, yeah. Pro. Yeah. Also everyone, I don't know if you've ever heard, but if you're in the marching band world, you probably heard of the marching Royal Dukes of JMU and they literally are quoted to be the best band college band in this country. They were pretty damn awesome. Um, I didn't know that they were labeled that, but I would believe it. Um, at least when I was there, they were, yeah, they were awesome. They're a force. Um, yeah. <laughs> and last question on the main question portion is, how did you meet Joe Jonas on September 22nd, 2018? <laughs> well, you, yeah, you did your research. Uh, <laughs> so I was actually at a Dodgers game um, in California in – I went to the bathroom and literally he was in the, in the urinal, like next to me. <laughs> and then I didn't realize it at first. Um, and then like we went to go wash our hands and like, he was a couple sinks down and I was like, Oh my God, that is, that is him. Um, and then we went outside, you know, there was all these like preteen girls, like outside the bathroom, like, like waiting and they got all these pictures with him. And then like, I come over, I'm like, Oh man, can I get a picture too? Uh, so yeah, I had to document it. Um, yeah, that was that's really been like the only like uh, star or like celebrity of that magnitude that I, I've met. Um, it was cool, dude. Cool, dude. 
talked a little bit. Oh my God! Did I say Joe Jonas, everyone? I'm super sorry. Or Nick Jonas, whatever. That that went right over my head too. You could tell I'm not the biggest Jonas Brothers uh, fan, but <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, oh, Nick Jonas. Yeah, I found the photo. It is definitely Nick. Um, yeah. I knew it was Nick looking at him. I don't know why I wrote down Joe. Probably because I was like <laughs> trying to get these questions out to you, but no. Eric here apparently shared a urinal experience with Nick. Jonas. Yes. Yes, I did. Um, pre-wedding, actually. So I, I guess, yeah, yeah. Let's see. This, yeah, this was, yeah. I guess twenty twenty one. You said or twenty twenty nineteen. Oh, eighteen. Fuck. <laughs> Time's flying, but yes. Um, Holy cow! I can't imagine. I never meet anyone famous like that. Um, <laughs> randomly, and people are always like, "Oh, you have such good luck," because I really am a lucky person. Like randomly, like I win so many random contests, but. Yeah, no, never that way. I haven't gotten a celebrity contest yet. Uh, If I've met a celebrity, it was, like, deliberately planned and not just, like, run-ins. Okay, gotcha. So, congrats. Yeah, that was was a cool moment. (laughs) Kind of starstruck. Oh, actually. Wow, okay. He was currently dating Priyanka when you met. They were actively engaged for about a month. And one of their first weddings was in December that year. So, wow, you knew you met Nick Jonas while he was engaged. Look at that. Look at that. (laughs) All right. So, here begins the commercial break that we usually have. But today, Eric's going to plug himself. So, Eric, take it away. Yeah, um, sure. Appreciate that. Um, So, yeah, if if anybody has any... uh, you know, branding or design or advertising work that they need done. Um, I would love to work with anyone. Um, so, and you can find my Instagram at, at Eric Messer design, um, E R I C K M E S S E R design. Um, you can also find some of my prof- more professional, um, uh, work at, uh, at my website, Eric Messer design.com. Um, and yeah, and yeah, but you know, if you need branding or anything like that, would love to, uh, do some freelance work for you. Always accepting new stuff. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And for the shout out for the other freelancers out there, um, Eric, how do you go about making prices? Cause I feel like that's something a lot of people struggle when they enter the field of freelancing. <sighs> Yeah. Um, the, and I mean, this is still something that I struggle with today. Um, uh, number one, know, know your value. Know that if you've been a designer or something like that for five years, that has a different price to it than if somebody who has just been doing it for one year. Um, because you're paying for the experience or your client is paying for the experience, um, paying for the knowledge. Um, so, you know, even if something you know, it only takes you a couple hours to do. Um, you can still charge them more since you've been in the field longer. Um, also another aspect to it is, um, like you can go back and forth on different things versus hourly or just, um, to like completion. Um, you know, hourly can be beneficial. Um, and look up like, you know, what are stereotypical, 
hourly rates, hourly rates for people that are like at your level, um, which can be beneficial, but I, you know, if you come up with the best idea in an hour, um, for a huge branding project, you know, that doesn't help, help you out. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, typically what I do is start with like an hourly and, or start with like a, um, uh, not deposit, but just like a, um, a base level and then, and then go from hourly up to that. So like, you can still give yourself some cushion. Um, and then, you know, I mean, and if the client is once, you know, 15 revisions and 20 different versions, like then you can get your, uh, get your payment through that hourly on top, you know? So, um, so that's like how I typically do it, but I also vary it, you know, like if my, if a great friend of mine wants to get a, a, get a logo for his company, like I know he doesn't have a ton of money to start out with. Like, so I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give him, you know, a, a lower rate, you know, so you can, I mean, it's your company. It's your, your, if you're freelancing, you know, it's your company, so you can run it how you want. Um, absolutely never do work for free even if you are doing stuff for friends or anything like that, um, always make sure if, whether, even if it's just like a case of beer or something like that, never do work for, for free. Um, or even if it's for like a shout out or something like that, it, it doesn't have to be a monetary payment. Um, I mean, it, yeah, if you, if you don't want it to be, I mean, it should be, but <laughs> if I, if like you find yourself in that scenario, always get something out of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely the one of the more difficult parts of our field to to figure out if you're on the freelance side. Uh, and not exposure, I will say that on your behalf, everyone, do not accept exposure. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. <laughs> get a piece um, yeah, and and uh, yeah, and also like you know, make sure that you get a contract and things like that too. Or like, if it's somebody that you you know that is that, you know, personally, you know, you can kind of just play it by ear, but, but I would say always cover yourself, um, you know, cause there's some scumbags out there with that after you send them the, the logo, you never hear from it again or something, you know? So, so yeah, cover yourself. I would set a base rate and then hourly on top. Um, and yeah. How long does base rate cover ish? I guess it depends on field too. Yeah, well, I think it, it, it just covers like, you know, if they want uh, just a logo, then, you know, that's a smaller base, fa base fare than if they want, you know, a whole a whole brand like, um, you know, business cards, website, all that, like, it, you know, it, it varies. Um, and, and yeah, and like, it's always good to just kind of like Google a little bit and um, find out like what other people are charging. Um, if you want more business cut under it a little bit, if you value yourself higher, you know, go higher, but, but it, it takes a long time to kind of figure out what, you know, what, what works best for you as far as getting business and making sure you're, you're adequately paid for it. Boom. There it is, everyone. <laughs> that's um, that's my advice. I'm still learning, though. <laughs> no, it's hard. Okay, so I don't do, like, 2D art, but, like, on the performing arts side with the marching band stuff, I've been 
I guess, technically freelancing for years now. And let me tell you, I'm usually just so happy to get work that I am horrible at like knowing my worth. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, me too. Me too. Me too. So, and, and that's, and that's part of it too. Cause yeah, I mean, it's, it's a struggle cause I mean, I go through that too. It's like, like, uh, is it was, is this really worth like that? Like, well, number one uh, that I found is like people will pay. Like um, if you give them a price, they, they will pay it. So it, it might sound out like outlandish or something like that, but I mean, you can't put a price on like giving a look to a, a company. Um, I mean, this is going to be their, their, how they're viewed, how, how they're going to get their business, how their company is even going to operate. You know, if you have a, a shitty brand, but a great product, um, you're going to get less business than somebody who has uh, a better brand and more approachability, more marketability than, and has a, a inferior product um branding and and marketing your your company is everything so um so yeah so know know your worth know what you're giving to the this person or this client um it's really gonna you know change their business so. and you heard it here first everyone if you are eric's good friend which what's a better friend than a brother all you pikes out there um <laughs> funnel this way and Eric will cut you a deal, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You might you might get a brothership deal, possibly. <laughs> that would actually be really funny if that was like on a price sheet, like proof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah in, in a little like uh subsection. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's always secret handshakes allegedly. I don't know, but there just... there is a secret handshake. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but are you ready for the wrongly named rapid fire question portion? Uh, let's go for it. Let's do it. Okay. Question number one. What are your chosen coping skills? Chosen coping skills. Um, I like to put my AirPods in on noise cancellation and listen to music really loud. Um, or go outside and sit there. <laughs> Question number two. What show would you bring back? Ooh, that's tough. Um, fuck, is, is Rocket Power still going on? I don't think so. Well, if that's canceled, bring it back, because that was my number one show as a kid. Um, damn, that's, that's, uh, these are tough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It ended in 2004, so... All right, bang. Rocket Power, bring it back. Wow, it's Love that 20 show. years, basically. Oh, that's surprising. 20 whole years. All right. Which fictional character would you want to end up with and end up with in any sense? Hmm. Um, hmm. What fictional character would I want to end up with? Um, um, the Lorax, <laughs> um, because he he uh, lived in like a pretty like trippy land, and uh, he was a nice guy and wanted to protect the trees. 
Um, so yeah, <laughs> as a friend. <laughs> um, what would your signature candle scent be? Um, probably ocean breeze. What would you put in a time capsule? Um, I would put a, a tape recording of myself, or I guess um, a video of myself just talking about my life <laughs> and how, how it is and when I made the time capsule. Perfect. Just upload this episode. Got it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you ran away with the circus, what would be your act? I would be an acrobat. What would your 45 minute apology video be about? Um, uh, how much I, uh, or actually I think I would just, um, play the the Chris Brown um, never the right time to say goodbye song and just let that play <laughs> for 45 minutes everyone um, minutes. <laughs> what is your best impression my best impression of somebody of anything of anything um, let's see my best impression um Uh, I like a mummy. I like sleeping so I could sleep. I could lay there very still. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I could be a mummy, I think. Perfect. Um, I was like, a mummy? I would have went a vampire first, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is one that I think you will have the best answer we've had so far. Oh, God. Pressure. What shape is your star? What shape is my star? It is. See now, see you put the pressure on me. So now I'm trying to think of something, uh, something clever. Um, the shape of the star is. Uh, um. Well, it is two. I'm going to the design route. It is two inverted triangles fused together one triangle represents my artistic life one triangle represents my non-artistic life and they fuse together boom so like hourglass looking things or yeah so like a triangle and a triangle is a or, or yeah i guess that'd be a star of david <laughs> all right well whatever <laughs> You get it. You get it. That's my shape. Okay. Overlapping, <laughs> fusing. Overlapping things. Yes. Like a star of David. You're right. But um, yeah. <laughs> who would play you in a documentary slash movie about your life? Um, well, I mean, I would want to say Brad Pitt. Um, yeah, let's go Brad Pitt. <laughs> what genre would that documentary movie be? What genre? Comedy. And finally, if your life was a jukebox musical, 
what would be the opening song? Um, it would be a Millie by Lil Wayne. There you have it, everyone. Brad Pitt in a comedy, starting off with a Millie by Lil Wayne. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, I don't know, going through town, like walking, it's just the a Millie beat in the background. <laughs> See, people, look, it's the design coming out. Like we are, yeah, we already came up with a, a great documentary. Documentary, a treatment, whatever you call it, like all yeah, of it. Yeah, there Boom. we go. All right, so... <laughs> While you have the platform to talk to the whole world, is there anything you want to say? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, basically, I would just say if you're in a creative-minded person and want to get into the field, um, do it. There are so many opportunities now with, uh, like, with the whole social media aspect, with digital um, artistic capabilities, like. You know you can you can do it from the side there's tons of courses uh design courses that you can watch in today's in today's world i mean even in the past too like you my my degree of of having a bachelor of fine arts like that's not what what gets me going in, the, in through the design field it's your your quality of work and your portfolio so you know if you if you feel like you have um strong artistic ability and want to run with it may just keep creating keep creating keep creating and um and put yourself out there um and you know everyone's an artist uh at heart um you know the world just like pushes you into different directions um, but everyone is creative minded um if you push yourself and try to perfect the craft um you can do it so, and I think, I think it's, it's a very beneficial thing in your life, even if you want to just do it on your own. Boom. Inspiration Boom. words from the Eric Messer, everyone. <laughs> if people want to find you, where can they find you? Yeah. So you, uh, you can find me on Instagram at, um, uh, at Eric Messer design. Um, you can find my website, ericmesserdesign.com. Um, which actually might be rebranding to just messerdesign.com, but yeah, it will point you there, whatever. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then my more like, uh, uh, personal, uh, Instagram is underscore Eric Messer underscore. Um, so yeah, shout, uh, shout if you, uh, if you need any freelance work or, or anything like that. Yeah, and the links will all be in the description or show notes, whatever people call it these days. Um, so yeah, Eric, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this was fun. First time doing this. So yeah, I appreciate you uh, having me on. And may it lead to many more of these opportunities for you. All of you satellites out there, that's the fandom name I came up with. Um, catch us next orbit because star themes, everyone go with it. Um, yeah. And see you next time world. Bye. Awesome. See ya.